0: Intro when you were sitting over here jamming to your own stuff. Do you hear me? <laughs> Peace and blessings, y'all. You are tuned in to the Allison Denise podcast where we talk about life, love, money, and how to get from where you are to where you want to be by focusing on living before love comes not after thank you to those of you who tuned in last week for the very first episode of season three where we gave a little more background on what it is that we are focused on right now i see you brother trina thank you so much uh for tuning in so uh what we are going to talk about now i don't think i said this to you guys last week those of you who tuned in last week You remember that we did a whole checklist for you to figure out where you are now after any type of aftermath that you've experienced related to a bad relationship, a bad breakup, divorce, whatever. And so we gave you a list. Now, in the upcoming episodes, we are going to break down pieces of that list one by one. So each week, we're going to give an entire evening to one of those particular areas. So that's why I asked you to go ahead if you have a digital notebook, a regular notebook. We are going to break that down, but I wanted to give you guys another week to just make sure that you've answered all of those questions thoughtfully and that you know exactly what your game plan should be. Those of you who have not seen it, no problem. I will be putting the link to last week's episode, both in Facebook as well as on YouTube when I finish uh, recording. Okay. But I do want you guys to take a minute, make sure you go back make sure you answer those questions as thoughtfully and honestly as you can. No one's going to see it but you. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about each one of those areas individually to give you a better perspective on what you should look for, okay? All right, so let's go ahead and get some housekeeping out of the way. So first and foremost, again, I am a transformational and relationship coach. The purpose of this uh, podcast is not for me to just hear myself talk, but it is so all of us who want relationships, even though it hasn't quite worked out yet. Those of us who aren't sure we want relationships, but we know that our life can be full, whether we have it or not. The purpose was for us to have uh, one place to come each night, each Wednesday night, where we can vibe out, uh, share information, receive information, and so you know that there is one specific place that you can go to that is not going to glorify hookup culture, <laughs> having five and six different friends on the side. We, we, we're we not going to do that. We understand that there's a place for it. We understand that there's a market for it. But there's if you're like me, that market didn't fit you. You didn't want to be around. You didn't want a whole bunch of men inside you. You don't want a bunch of women uh, to, to, to to spend time with. Uh, one on Monday, one on Tuesday. You, you don't want that. You just want a relationship that works and you just want to be around other people who understand that without making you feel like you're being old, approved, um, not having fun or whatever. If you're like me, then this podcast is for you because I want us to understand that we don't have to chase what is meant for us. We don't have to chase it. We can be frustrated. We can have lonely moments. We can have all of those things happen, but we do not have to change who we are just to have a relationship. We don't. And the cool thing is we also know that it doesn't make sense to change who we are to have a relationship because then you don't even get an authentic partner because you're not being authentic. So that is the purpose of this podcast. And so in addition to this, I do also work with clients one-on-one. If you think that I'm saying something or you're picking up energy that says, I think this this is a woman or this is the young lady who'll be able to get me from one side to the other, I'll be happy to work with you. I'll put all of that information in both comment sections as well for how you can link up with me, connect with me, join a community that I've started for others like us and also how you can get me for any speaking engagements, whether they're virtual or in person, all that good stuff. So make sure you link up with me. You see a lot of the information right here surrounding my face right now. If you're watching verbally or watching uh, visually, those of you who are on Spotify, I will make sure all of that information is in the description of the podcast. But for those of you who are watching right now, you can link up with me under I am Allison Denise on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and you can also link up with me on Patreon. I would go ahead and link up with me on TikTok and Patreon before it continued before it takes off. I think I might have one video on TikTok right now and I'm in the background creating more and more so that I can schedule them, but it would be kind of cool to have you guys already over there for when they're uploaded. Okay? So we can go ahead and get started with (laughs) a part of the series that um, I know you guys have grown to love. A lot of you sent me a couple of messages. You were like, hey, so what happened to Stop Spreading This Shit? It didn't go anywhere. I just took last week off. That's all. It was the first episode. I thought we could just chill. But yes, Stop Spreading This Shit didn't go anywhere. (laughs) So I do have one for this week. Now, for those of you who are new to the platform, the Stop Spreading This Shit series is where I take a few minutes to talk about a particular mindset, a particular behavior, a particular thought process that you hear all over social media, all over TV, even in some books, and you even hear some experts say things like this. And a lot of times people aren't listening to the nonsense that is being said because it has been so widely accepted that you just assume that it's true and it's not and I want us to stop spreading it (laughs) so we can stop both giving it and both thinking that it's okay to receive this information and think that there's something wrong with us if we don't agree so this week the stop spreading this shit series that I want to discuss is this thought Being friends with your exes is a sign of maturity. Being friends with your exes is a sign of maturity. (laughs) Now, if y'all know me on a personal level, you already know how I feel about this. (laughs) But just in case you don't, I'm gonna go ahead and share it. Uh, Here's why this is BS. So the the thought process that has been widely accepted is this. If you have any kind of issue with an ex, uh, someone that you've dated, if you have any kind of an issue, if you don't want to talk to them, if you don't want to be around them, if you don't want to sit across the table from them, go on trips, uh, still celebrate holidays together, blah, blah, blah. If you don't want to do that, It's a sign that you're either not over them or a sign that you're still harboring some kind of uh, ill will, which makes you bitter. Here's why this is BS. The thought process behind this is saying that you're supposed to continuously be okay keeping everyone in your life. The number one reason we should know that this is bull is because most of the people who spread this are also the same people who want to tell you that you have to learn to let things go and let things be free and let things flow in and out of your life and all of the stuff that sounds deep and, and significant, right? So if you're supposed to also be aware that not everything lasts forever, why are you still also speaking about relationships in the sense that you should never be able to walk away from them and let them go completely? So those who say both things, of course, they sound hypocritical. You're talking on both sides of the fence. But the the more practical reason that this is BS is, and I'll give it from from both a male as well as a female perspective. Now, from a, a male perspective, we have to understand that even though we have brothers who don't tend to show that they have a lot of emotion, it doesn't mean it's not there. So depending on how the relationship ended, and that's the thing that I want people to understand It depends on how that relationship ended. It depends on what happened inside that relationship. It depends on what was done during the course of that relationship. So if we have some brothers who were maybe mistreated or used, they found out, oh, she was just here for my money. She was just here for this. I really cared about her, but she used me for this or she only wanted me because I had that. If we know enough to know that a friend needs to be cut off once you figure out they're using you, why the hell are we telling people that you can't cut off actual romantic partners? That's stupid. And I hate for it to sound that harsh, but it is. Stop telling people that they have to be friends. So that's from the the, the male perspective. And that's just one example. Now, because I'm a woman and because I date men, I can talk a little more freely from that side. And so that's what I'm gonna do. The number one thing is if you are a woman who is heterosexual, who is dating men, one thing that you have to understand, and I'm glad that I have brothers who are right here um, online so that they can, you know, uh, either back me up or correct me because, you know, I don't care either way. But one of the things that you have to understand is when a brother really wants you, he's territorial, not in the sense of controlling and I think some people have that mixed up territorial and controlling are two totally different mindsets and you know which one I'm a fan of versus which one I'm going to tell you to walk away from. But men who actually do care about you who want to be with you who see your future with you. It's not a matter of whether they're secure in their masculinity or not they want to know they have this thing in their head where they want to be your hero. It may not come out that way. They may not ever say those words, but when they when they have connected with a woman and they're like, this is the woman for me. This is the woman who makes me want to be the man that I know I am. And I want to be that man for her. Those men don't like old piss around your door. And as a woman who's having a problem with that, I need you to get the hell over it. Men who want all of you Don't need to have reminders of who you were with before them. Get over it. It's not a misogynistic thought. It's not an obsessive thought. It's not a controlling thought. It's not a thought of you being property. It is simply, I know she had a past. Why the hell do I need to see it every Thanksgiving and every other weekend? And that's not unreasonable. What's unreasonable is you walking around with the belief that you're supposed to be able to have a whole dinner with a bunch of men specifically if you were intimate with them why would you want the guy who wants to be with you now to be made to feel that he has to be around all these memories of other dicks that you sat on but i seriously want you to think about that why would you think because here here's what we have to remember a relationship that is truly over is now part of your past it doesn't matter if it just ended yesterday Or five minutes before you tuned into this podcast, a relationship that is no longer current is automatically a past relationship. So if you are future minded, if you want to move forward, if you want to end up in a relationship with someone that you enjoy spending time with in the future, why do you still need to have remnants of your past floating around? Like that doesn't make sense. The other thing that you have to think about is this, even if you're not a cheater, cause I'm not a cheater either. I think it's dumb. There, there's no need to cheat when you can always leave, right? So I'm not a cheater either. I get that. But what we have to remember is our behavior doesn't speak for everyone's experience. So this is another issue I'm seeing in, in, in dating right now People want to have someone who accepts everything about them without stopping to make sure that everything about them is acceptable. I'm gonna say it again. Too many people are wanting a partner to accept everything about them without first taking inventory to make sure that everything about them is actually acceptable. You still going to the movies with someone that you used to sit on, you know, the same face that you used to sit on three, four times a week is not acceptable. You deciding that you still want to go over to the, the ex-in-laws when they got a whole new girlfriend, fiancé, or wife just because you were the first wife, sis, you out of line. <laughs> Tony said I was about to go off. <laughs> uh, Nana says, I don't worry about them. They're going to gl- <laughs> I can't with you. Nana, Really? <laughs> Keith said you should leave the past behind and move on but here's my point it's not it is not acceptable it's not and you know why I know it's not acceptable because the same people who try to tell you you just have to accept who I am if you get if you pull a a them on them we already know what happens they got attitude now all of a sudden they want to tell why you always around them why you because you doing it And so this is why I talk about, you know, from the mindset, I understand if you're not a cheater, I understand if your mindset is once I'm done, I'm done. I don't see that person the same way anymore. I'm the same way. Having said that, I'm not in a relationship with myself and specifically those of you who are dating people that are good to you, but have also opened up and let you know that they have had past issues with other partners cheating on them. You out of line for continuing to have your exes around. Well, that's not my fault and I'm not them. Shut up. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. What you were saying is that it's more important to you to prove a point than to bring a level of, of safety and security to your current partner. That's why they keep leaving your ass. If that ex is that important that it's creating a whole argument, you are by default telling your new partner that that old partner is still important. And if the new partner has a history of people cheating on them or being dishonest, you are throwing up major red flags trying to prove a damn point. Major red flags. Now, are there instances where you can be friends with an ex? Yes. My thought is if I didn't sleep with them. If I never saw him naked, because I'm not one who sleeps with everyone I've dated. If I never saw him naked, if we held hands, maybe kissed a couple of times and it doesn't work, yes, we can absolutely be friends. If they understand it, that means friends. It doesn't mean wait six months and try again. It means we're friends. Yes, I think in those instances, fine. Well, what about if you're co-parenting? You ain't gotta be a friend to be a co-parent. That's where y'all are missing it. You need to be cordial. You need to be amicable you need to get to a place where both of you understand the different boundaries and you're not fighting each other and at each other's throats but you don't have to be friends now if that's just what happens that's cool but here's the thing about friendship friends specifically in co-parenting Friends also understand if we're not together anymore, then I need to prepare myself for the reality that one or both of us is gonna find new partners. So before those new partners come, we need to go ahead and conduct ourselves in a way that those new partners don't think that there's something still going on. Why? Because we have so many stories of people who said that they were just friends with the co-parent and they were still, I'm I'm trying not to use the F word tonight. I'm trying to be good. (laughs) But y'all see where I'm going. So if you're truly friends, you want the best for each other, right? And if you want the best for each other, then you're not going to do anything that would impede the other friend's happiness, right? So part of that means that you don't continue to have the same access to each other. You don't have the same late night phone calls. You don't continue to just walk over or hang over each other's house or pop up whenever the hell you feel like it. It means what it means. You are friends now. We used to have a closer relationship. It resulted in the birth of a child or children. We are now going to take care of those children, but we now have to understand that we are not in that romantic space anymore, which means that we don't have those same liberties with each other. Too many people are missing that. Well, she's always going to be my baby's mama. Well, he's always going to be the father of my child. And both of your asses are going to always be single with that mindset. New people don't have to accept being second place for the rest of your life. That's bull. Stop it. There are literally people out here who believe that you're supposed to be friends with everyone that you've dated and they're wrong. And the reason that they're wrong, here's the thing. Let's say that you're friends with everyone that you've dated. Let's say that everyone that you've dated ended up dumping you. So the first question really is, are they really your friends or are you sitting around waiting to see if one of them will want you back? I'll move on though. The second thing, however, is why are you making yourself comfortable around rejection? If every one of them dumped you. If every one of them said, I think that we're better off as friends. Why are you so comfortable around rejection? You got rejection knocking on your door unannounced. You got rejection, sending you text messages. You got rejection sitting across the table with you on holidays and birthdays. You got to stop this. You're not allowing room for someone who truly accepts you to come in. And even if they did come in, you've gotten so comfortable around rejection that you don't even know how to receive it. I have one friend who makes every friend, not a friend an ex-friend. Let me be let me be honest. I have an ex-friend who made every ex a friend. But as a result, that ex-friend never learned how to have a relationship with a man who actually wanted to be there. She didn't know how to receive it. She would immediately run back. She would come up with some reason why they weren't a suitable partner. So she could immediately put them into the friend category so she could still hang out with them. Number one, she was running from commitment. She was commitment phobic as hell. But number two, she was also trying to move everything into a situation that she was comfortable with. It wasn't ideal. She didn't want to stay single, but she was comfortable in rejection. So someone who said, I'm not gonna reject you, even though that's what she wanted, it felt weird to her. So she kept finding reasons to systematically put them in the spot that they were comfortable in. Now, if two people are able to be friends with the understanding that X means, I am not your 2 a.m. booty call when you between partners. If and if two exes can be friends with the understanding that We are going to talk about whatever is related to what we have to deal with right now. We're not going to sit back, kick it, get drunk, uh, reminisce about the old days and all that. If, If two friends are able to do that, then cool. But here's what I've noticed, and I stand on it. Most people who are adamant that they're friends with an ex, one of the exes is just there waiting you out. I stand on it. I ain't taking it back. Is that speaking for everybody? No, but in most of the cases that I've seen, most of the people adamant that they're friends with their exes, one of those exes don't wanna stay an ex. They play in their position. A Lot of times, the people I see going through that, they don't see it. They get real upset until that person who's been playing their position, cause it can go on either side, until that person playing both positions, that position decides that they tired of playing that position. Then they want to tell you, well, I mean, we, we've been friends for so long. I mean, nothing's working for you and nothing's working for me. So I just thought that we would blah, 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 blah. And I'll just let people in on a really common sense concept. Anyone who is your friend with ulterior motives, no matter how well intentioned, they're not your friend. Here's another thing that you have to think about. Think about a friend that you haven't dated. Think about a completely platonic friend. It could be a same-sex friend or an opposite-sex friend. What's one of the main things that you guys discuss? Relationships, possibly. So if I have a platonic friend, if I have a platonic male friend who introduces me to their new woman, it gets serious. Then they decide to invite me to a wedding. They say, hey, I'm getting married. I want you to come to the ceremony. I want you to be a part of it. I'm going to go, no questions asked. Here's another question y'all got to ask yourselves. You ain't got to tell anybody, but be honest. If this ex friend gets married and comes and says, Hey, I want you to, to come and uh, be in the wedding. I want you to be in the wedding ceremony, or I want you to come and watch me get married. If the thought makes you feel any type of way, you ain't really their friend either. I said it. If it makes you feel any type of way just the thought then it's not that you want them back but there's part of you that still feels like you have some kind of ownership none of that is true friendship it's not and the people that you're dating see that which is why they leave your asses because you too protective and you too defensive You're too defensive. I'm not friends with one ex, but here's the thing that people need to understand. That's why I want to talk about it in this particular part of the show. I don't hate any of my exes, not even the ex-husband who tried to kill me. I have no ill will. I don't wish any of them well. I don't wish any of them hell. I am indifferent. I don't care what's happening to them. And that's not from a place of bitterness. It's from a place called I've moved the hell on. And to Gregorio's point, which is why I said I was going to bring it up to Gregorio's point, we got to just go ahead and be honest. Why do you, if you specifically, if you were done wrong, because here's the issue that I see the person who was done wrong always wants to try to play the friend card because now their ego is involved. They want to prove that they're not bitter. So they want to prove that they're friends. Why are you eating yourself from the inside out to prove something to anybody? They didn't go through the BS you went through with that person. It doesn't make sense. The second part is usually the one who did all the doing wrong, who still wants to be friends. Do you really think that the same person who lied to you, betrayed you, manipulated you, gaslit you, uh, maybe had babies behind your back, uh, slept with your best friend, slept with your aunt, slept with your uncle, slept with your mama, slept with your daddy, caused you to lose a job, caused you to lose a baby, caused you to you know, lose your credit, took money from it. Do you really think that that person... It's focused on being a good friend to you, bro, sis. They're putting you in a holding pattern, and you're allowing your ego and these equally dumbass friends of yours to tell you that if you're not their friend, you're not over it. It's BS. It's BS. I am a living witness. If I see a, an ex get married, cool. If I hear about an ex falling off a cliff, cool. If I find out about an ex getting a great job. Awesome. If I find out about an ex who lost the last five, it, I don't care. Why? Because the person who comes in and chooses to do right, chooses to be consistent, chooses to be honest, chooses to make me a priority. That man will never hear me talk about how they have to accept some ex jackass as my friend ever what kind of reward is that the one who does right now has to get all these reminders of the ones who did you wrong that's dumb y'all it's dumb i want y'all to think about owning a business right here's what I, here's how i look at it you're the ceo of a company You hired someone to be the CFO, which is usually the closest thing to the CEO, right? You find out the CFO was stealing money from the company. So the CFO uh, had access to all of the financial records, all of the financial documents, and you find out that that CFO has been stealing money. First thing you're going to do is fire their asses, right? Would you then give them a lower position as a manager of a of a location. Maybe they were a CFO of a whole company of the whole enterprise. You find out they're stealing. Are you gonna tell that person because you're stealing, I'm firing you as CFO? But I'm gonna let you be a general manager at one of our locations? Your first answer is hell no. If they stole from me at a higher position, why would they not steal from me at a lower one? If they stole from me when they were closer to me. Then why would I let them, you know, give them a position where they're not as close to me? Why would they not do the same thing? And that's all I'm saying. If someone couldn't handle a closer position to you, you fire, you don't demote. When someone has done you wrong, and that's what people have to understand. If you, if you did this, this, uh, casual ass high school type dating, y'all went out a couple of times. There was really no emotional connection. There was really no emotional investment. Y'all just looked at each other one day and said, hey, I don't think that this is working. And y'all decide to stay friends. Okay, cool. Now, if you slept with them, I still have a problem with that. But that's just me. If you see me naked, we don't need to be friends, period. Because it's there's no reason. It, it's always easier to do something a second time. I know I'm not a cheater. I also know that I don't know what the future holds. I also know that I'm still human in addition to not being a cheater. So if I've already had sex with you, what's to keep me from having sex with you again if you're available and I'm lonely? I already know what it's like. So I steer clear of that temptation altogether. I don't walk around in ego. Um, So my point is this, listen, If what you want in the future, if you believe that it's going to be better than what you had, you got to be willing to let the past go. And a lot of the people running around trying to tell you that you're supposed to still be friends with your exes, they don't know how to let the past go. They just unfortunately had the benefit of someone making this a big deal. And enough people are listening that they're accepting it as truth. And I'm here to tell you that it's not truth. It's actually bullshit. It's complete and total bullshit. I always thought the we make better friends things after we break up was bullshit. And like I said, if you're doing casual ass dating, then fine. But when you've lived together, they pulled some freak out of you. They pulled a little hoe out of you too. Y'all have really gotten it in. Y'all have shared... Deaths of friends, death of you actually had a true bona fide relationship where there was real investment and real connection, whether it was on your part, both parts, or their part. If you want to try to be friends, wait 10 years, let 10 years go by, live some life and see because you have to give yourself time to see them a different way, and you know why. I know you don't see them a different way because you still call them your ex. You know what I would call someone that I've seen, someone that I, I, I'll talk about someone that I was engaged to several years ago. I ain't going to tell you how long ago it was. I'm going to age myself, but it's been a long damn time. You know how I would introduce that person by his first name? I don't see him that way anymore. I don't. Think about him that way anymore because it's been well over 10 years since I've seen him or talked to him or looked at him or anything. So you're trying to tell me you went from having sex three, four times a day, three, four times a week, you hung out with his mama, you hung out with it, you know, you hung out with the whole family for every holiday. You got pictures on top of pictures of all these memories you created. You trying to tell me in less than 2 weeks y'all are able to be friends? Get the hell out of here. I don't trust your ass either. Don't let people try to guilt trip you into thinking that if you are not best friends with these ex-partners that you're bitter, mad, angry, resentful or any of the other BS because it's BS. If anything you're making room for the right one and you're understanding that making room for the right one means that you have to completely sever all ties with old stuff. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That does not make you bitter. It does not make you angry. It does not make you some kind of an old fogey or a prude or whatever they wanna call you. It makes you mature. What's up, Robin? I totally agree. I can't progress. With exes as friends, there is a reason it ended. J. Cole said, time and space will provide new perspective. Let it be everything in time and season. Absolutely. And y'all are not friends two weeks after y'all break up, especially if you've been sitting on his face for the last five years. Stop it. All right, so let me move on. I knew that part would take longer, which works because I don't think I'm going to have to say a whole lot about tonight's topic, but tonight's topic is going to be related to the new car smell. (laughs) And I think y'all going to see where I'm going when I give this example. So y'all know I'm a car girl. Let me see what just came up. Um, (laughs) I know PA. (laughs) Okay. So. If you know me, you know, I'm a car girl. I love German engineering specifically, more specifically Audi. I don't care if if it's got those four rings in front of it. I want to be a part of it. Um, I love everything about them. I love the way they, the closest I've gotten to an Audi in terms of ownership so far has been Volkswagen. I love them too. They're like baby Audis. I love the way German cars drive. I love the way they start up. I love the way they accelerate. I love the quality that they put into their cars without you having to spend a whole lot of money. I love everything about them. But, you know, if it's a drag race, if it's Formula One, if it's Laguna Seca, if it's rally racing, your girl is there. Car shows, especially the classic cars and the muscle cars, you know I'm there. I'm imagining myself in my favorite Audi, right? I'm imagining getting the keys. It might have two miles on it. And then I hit my put my push button start and I listen to that Audi engine that I love so much and mine is going to be the blacked out edition. So it's going to have my my red brake calipers and all that good stuff. And I'm listening and it's going to have the beautiful butter leather interior. It's going to be great. And I'm going to drive it and drive it and I'm going to take care of it. It's going to always be in the garage and I'm going to detail it because I detail my own cars. I'm going to take care of it, right? Now, let's talk about six months in. Now, six months in, I'm still a car girl. Six months in, I'm still in love with my Audi. Six months in, it may still have the new car smell, but there's a good chance it may not. Six months in, I'm still going to be glad I own it. But that same excitement that I felt when I drove it off the lot, it's not necessarily going to be there in six months. Because now it's been six months. I've owned it now for six months. All of the building up, the visualizing, the test driving, the dreaming, the test driving when I actually had the cash to pay for it, negotiating the deal, sending over the cashier's check, getting the keys, taking the fuck All of that is now done. Now I own it. And I love it. But I don't feel the same excitement six months to a year after it's in my garage. Now, do I stop taking care of it? No, because I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a little bit different. There are some people after six months to a year, you know, the first six months, they wouldn't let anybody eat in the car. Now there's, you know, McDonald's wrappers and, and Chick fil A in the trunk and all that good stuff. It doesn't mean that they no longer love the car. It just means that they've gotten used to it. And this is something that me and my brother Tate talked about. I don't know, probably two or three weeks ago. Um, he said blacked out a man. It is, (laughs) look at any Audi with the black op. That's what they call it. The black optic package. It's Mm. anyway, (laughs) so the reason I brought this up in terms of relationships is this, um, Right. When it turns into just another, when it turns just into another car. Exactly. The reason I wanted to talk about this in terms of relationships, however, again, the whole purpose of this podcast is for you to prepare for the love that you want, prepare for the relationship you want. And one of those areas is where we have to prepare for after the new car smell. A lot of us are sitting here and we're just waiting and waiting for that moment. And what I want us to do is more productive waiting because some of us are waiting longer than we thought we would have to. And we're doing certain things that aren't productive. Now we may be getting a little impatient. We may be making decisions that we would normally not make. We may decide that, you know, we may find ourselves subconsciously starting to settle for certain things because we're so tired of going to bed alone and all that good stuff. Right. So I want us to do more productive waiting. I want us to get back to the point where we reevaluate. Okay. Is what I want reasonable? Yes, it is. So no, I'm not going to change up. I know it's taking a while. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have it. But while I'm waiting for that thing to arrive, let me make sure I know how to take care of it. This is why you shouldn't give a 16 year old the keys to a Ferrari, right? They got to learn how to take care of one car, not that kind of car so this is the same mindset while you're waiting for that that ferrari or you know maserati relationship make sure you're ready for it after the excitement is over it's my opinion that some of the relationships that we see that fizzle out so quickly we want to say that it's because people don't want to work for relationships anymore we want to say that it's because people are more focused on hooking up and those two things are both true But when I really sit back and listen to the, the, the mindset behind some of the people who have been in situations like that, what I'm picking up is most times they got so focused on that, on wanting that thing. I want to get married. I want to get married. I want a relationship. I want my own boo. I want my own bae. They got so focused on the goal. They didn't think about how it would feel after they obtained the goal. And they got so focused on getting it, that they didn't do any preparation on how do I keep it. And so that's why I wanna talk about this. When that relationship comes, you are gonna feel elated. You're gonna feel like it was, you're gonna forget most times, you're gonna forget how long it took for it to happen. You're gonna think back to some of the situations that you really, really wanted to be the one and you look back now and you're so glad that you didn't settle at that point because you wouldn't be where you are now. You're gonna feel a whole multitude of things. You're gonna be joyful, you're gonna glow, you're gonna smile, you're gonna do all of these different things as you're walking in through the beginning of that relationship. But understand, if your goal is longevity, If your goal is marriage to life or life partner, whether it's a legal piece of paper or not, if that's your goal, then you have to understand that at some point, even at some point you are gonna get to a point where it's not that you're not into them anymore. You just don't feel that new car smell anymore. Even with your kids, think about it. When you first got pregnant, even if you were one who had trouble getting pregnant, or your partner had trouble getting pregnant. You remember the joy of seeing that pregnancy test say positive, right? You remember the joy of watching the belt your belly get bigger or watching your partner's belly get bigger. You remember the first trip to the to, to hear the heartbeat. You remember usually that next trip where you got to find out if it was a boy or a girl. You remember the delivery. You remember how they smelled when they got that first baby bath. You remember the first time you had you remember all that, right? Felt good when you brought them home you took care of them with kid gloves you, you held them almost all the time a lot of times you only put them down long enough to change their diaper even when they were feeding themselves you just wanted to look at right and then they turn two <laughs> and they learn how to use those little legs and they start knocking shit over you still love them and now they're getting on your nerves right they hit 14 15 16 you still love them But now they've hit that teenage attitude that kind of makes you want to chop them in the throat multiple times a day, but you still love them. But do you feel that same thing that you did when they were first placed in your arms? The answer is no. Does it take away the fact that you would do anything for them? No, that's the mindset that you have to begin to develop before this this lifelong relationship happens because here's the issue. A lot of us have been single for so long we've stopped thinking about being together for a year, two years, three years. A lot of times because we've learned our worth, learned our value, understood our non-negotiables. And now we're at a point that we're enforcing them. We're not settling or looking for reasons to stay. We're barely making three months. We're barely making four months out of these relationships because we know what we want. And when we start to see BS, we don't wait around. We just cut it. And that is what you should do. But the, the caveat to that is you now have to think long-term. So even though you've had these relationships or these dating experiences that you've cut off earlier, because you knew they weren't the right fit, you now have to relearn how is it going to feel when it is a good fit. And what I don't want is for you to get so focused on, Oh my God, we made it past year four and you still got the new car smell. What I don't want to happen is four months after that. When you're now convincing yourself that maybe this isn't a good thing. I don't feel the way I used to. I'm not as excited as I used to be. We don't seem to be doing the same things, blah, blah, blah. And so now you're telling yourself this isn't a great fit because I don't feel the new car smell feeling anymore. And that's not it. What has happened now is you have met the right partner and you have now gotten out of the honeymoon phase. You're now getting to the phase that matters, the phase where y'all are building, the phase where all of those endorphins and hormones are calming the hell down. And now you just get to live with them, love them, learn them, encourage them, respect them, communicate with them, argue with them productively, forgive them, ask for forgiveness from them, build with them, grow with them, build memories with them. You're now getting to that part. That part won't always feel like a honeymoon. It won't, because it doesn't always feel like a honeymoon with your kids either, does it? But at the end of the day, when that kid of yours is sick, you know you're going to take care of him, and they know you're going to take care of them. You may still go into their rooms. I ain't afraid to say it. Y'all know me. I love my son. I do. Now, I've learned to, you know, I, I let him be the young man that he is growing to be, but there's still times I go in his room when he's asleep, and I just look at him. He's 15. I said it. <laughs> I still go in his room just to look at him because the love doesn't change. Even if there's days I want to punch, punch him in the throat, the love don't change. I may want to punch him in the throat, but if he tells me something wrong, he know mama got it. That is the stage that you're now going into when you meet this partner. Have you thought past the honeymoon honeymoon phase? Because if all, if your only thought now is you just want to obtain the goal you're going to end up in trouble that's where we miss it in relationships you're not bored it didn't change it's not a sign that y'all aren't meant to be together you didn't think past the new car smell so now the car just smells ordinary You don't get as excited when you see them get out of the bed and they don't have any clothes on. You're not super excited anymore. You are now settling into the part of the relationship that matters. But if you don't think about it before it comes, you'll make the mistake of thinking that the relationship is not real. If you're not constantly in that newlywed honeymoon feeling, that's the hormones. That's all that is. Are you still going to be there when the hormones calm down? Can you still be faithful when you know they're beautiful, but you don't necessarily pop your eyes out every time they're there. Are you still there when you see him, when he doesn't dye his beard? Is he still sexy to you when the beard is more gray than black? Is he still sexy? If you start noticing that the hairline is falling back a little bit further till he has to shave it off. Is she still fine to you when she's not on Instagram behind a filter? When you see that she has freckles or marks on her face or maybe she's got some stretch marks that you didn't see? Is she still the most beautiful thing? When you get to that phase, that's when it matters. Natasha says, never satisfied, not content, learn to enjoy the journey and not just get into the... Can I say that one again? Learn to enjoy the journey and not just getting to the destination. This is where we miss it. And a lot of us who have waited and waited and waited longer than we thought we would have to, this is a big area we have to be aware of because we can be waiting so long for the relationship that we get to a point where it's like, I just want the damn relationship. But even in that, you still got to think beyond, oh, I'm finally here okay, yeah, now you get to work on the parts that you didn't get to work on with the other people. They didn't deserve to get beyond the honeymoon phase. This one does. That is both a blessing, that is both an honor, but you have to see it for the blessing and honor it is even if the hormones don't give you that emotional confirmation. I'll tell, I'll close it off by telling a story. So one of the things that I share with people I tell people often that there's no need for you to be jealous of my wisdom. I said this last week, a lot of this wisdom came from the evolution that it took from me getting out of a codependent mindset to an independent mindset to getting back into the middle where I'm, I'm very, uh, comfortable with saying that I do want a good man in my life. I'm not one of these independent chicks who's I don't need a man. I don't need a man. Y'all wrong as hell. I mean, well, maybe you're not wrong for you, but I ain't saying that shit. I do need one. But see, what I'm saying is I need a man. I'm not saying I need a male. I'm not saying I need a penis. I'm not saying I need affection. When you have been around a man who makes you feel protected, provided, cared for, nurtured, encouraged. You absolutely need that. I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't. That is what I'm saying. And I don't mind letting him, I don't mind letting him lead. I don't mind letting him uh guide. I don't mind any of that because I know that that's what I want. And I'm going to put in the work in myself to understand at this moment While you still have to be independent because you're still taking care of you and your son by yourself and you're still doing all of these things. Yeah, you got to play this role right now, but I'm not playing this role when it's my turn to change from my daddy's last name to my man's last name. So when I talk about this, it's because I had to do the work. I've been in a. I, I my first marriage ended with my ex-husband trying to kill me. I don't say that to be dramatic. He literally tried to kill me. I ended up in ICU for ten days. I ended up becoming a single parent, which was something I didn't expect. I then ran into a narcissist, and then a couple of emotionally unavailable men, and then men who pursued, and then got scared as hell when I started to fall for them. I've been through some shit, and with each one. I kept focusing so much on my son and so much on needing to be okay for him. I didn't realize I was falling into depression. I didn't realize I was dealing with anxiety. I didn't realize I had some PTSD from the the marriage ending the way that it did. And I didn't realize I was mad as hell. My ass was angry. And before I realized that, I was dating people with a new mindset. Now, the minute they screwed up, cut off, cut off, block, delete block, delete. Now don't get me wrong. I'm so glad I got that button because I should have had it decades ago and I'm, I'm not afraid to use it. But even I had to realize that I was probably using it a little too liberally because then I had gotten to the point where it's not just that I was angry. It was that I was now afraid of Trusting the wrong person, letting down my guard, then they screwed me over and then now I got to start all the way over again. Those were my fears, but this is where it came from. There was a particular point in my marriage where I had had my son or actually let me back up. Two weeks after I found out I was pregnant, my now ex husband quit his job. Now I can look back with mature eyes and see what happened. I see that he panicked. I see that he found out he was expecting a baby. He was not happy with where he was. He didn't, he he was gonna feel ashamed doing what he was doing, which was not a bad job. It's just not what he wanted to be able to say he was doing when he had a kid. And he panicked and he quit and he kept quitting jobs. He kept quitting them from the time I was two weeks pregnant until our son was eight months old. The building was too cold. I'm not getting this done. I'm not going to be able to do that for eight months. So my belly is still getting bigger. I'm now the, the sole breadwinner. Lost our first house. And I zoned out into putting a new project in my mind. So the new project in my mind was, okay, we filed bankruptcy, we lost the house. I'm gonna get us in a house in less than two years. I'm gonna get us in a house in less than two years. And I was relentless. Paying bills 15 days early, learning how the credit reporting agencies work, uh, paying things down. Uh, I I was relentless between that and taking care of, of my son. Relentless, but here's the thing. I switched into a different mentality to overcome the fact that when he kept quitting his jobs, while I can now look back and see why I felt abandoned. You worked full-time the whole time that we dated. Now we married and a kid is coming and now you choosing to be trifling as hell. Now you choosing to quit. You had all these full-time jobs, worked overtime, did all this shit while we were dating. Now we got a whole kid coming and now you want to quit. I felt abandoned. I felt misled, I felt betrayed, and to some extent, I was ready to be out. What kept me was that I came from a two-parent family. That was it. Well, I came from a two-parent family. He's come from a two-parent family. That's the only thing that I know works. People tell me it doesn't work when it's just one parent. So I just decided to hang in there, and then I went and my mind decided to find another distraction. Did I get us in a house in less than two years? Hell yeah. in the the school district I wanted, on the street I wanted, in the neighborhood I wanted, with all the stuff that we said we wanted. In less than two years, we had it. And approximately two weeks after we closed on the house, I was sitting in the house and what happened? I went right back to being unhappy again. So when I tell you that we have to focus on what it is that we want, I'm telling you from experience. I should have told my now ex-husband then how I felt. I should have told him then, you are kind of making me feel like I need to take my ass back to Goldsboro. Cause you're not making me feel like I have any support here. Why would you be doing this? We could have talked through it. We could have maybe had counseling if that's something that he wants. We could have done a lot, but I got mad and I felt betrayed and I felt used and I shut down and immediately diverted to another uh, project to keep my attention. And when you're single longer than you expect it to be, or if you're honest, if you're single longer than you feel like you deserve to be, you do start feeling a little envy. You do start feeling a little negativity. You do start feeling a little, uh, cynical, impatience kicks in, add in some lonely moments, add in nights where you've given and given and given to other people. And there's no one to hold you when you go to bed because of you and your standards. You have those moments. And you get to a point where it's like, I just want someone to hold me. I just want someone to be here. I just want someone to rub my back for once. I just want someone to, you get, you have those moments. But if you're not careful, instead of allowing that relationship to, to evolve into the partnership that you said you wanted, you will now look at that relationship as being a project. Now you just want to prove you can get in one. Now you just need to prove to yourself that you can get someone to commit. And the minute the relationship becomes a project you've already lost before it even happens because you're not thinking beyond reaching the objective. Now you're thinking, I just wanna prove that I can reach the damn objective. And then you get it and time will pass, the honeymoon phase will end and all of a sudden you're sitting back like, Okay, well, what now? Well, what now was you get to enjoy the relationship? You just didn't think about it. Wow, that was me going through that too. Yes, when I tell y'all, look, I don't just speak because I speak because I get the words from spirit and because I'm an empath. But a lot of what I speak to people is because I've lived it and I'm not ashamed to say that I've done it. We have too many people out here who, who don't want to tell you their truth They want to coach and they want to speak, but they're still embarrassed. And while I don't think that I have to tell you every little detail of my life, I know there's a lot of my life that's going to help people. So I had to grow out of that and learn. It's not about people knowing your business. It's about the people who need to hear your business. So they don't feel by themselves until next week. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it more than, you know, and take care. Peace.